And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. So, uh, hey, I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at New Covenant, and it's good to see you all here this morning. And uh, we are glad you are here. Uh, my folks, actually, Pastor Mike and Janice, are uh, speaking today at my uncle's church. He's uh, just a member of the church. He's not a pastor there or anything, but um, they're speaking there in Swaledale, Iowa. So... Uh, Super tiny town. You, you blink and you missed it. So uh, Swaledale up north there, just on your way to like Clear Lake, Mason City area. Um, so they're up there, and they're having a great time. Um, one thing that I would like for everybody to agree with me in prayer, um, Steve and Melanie, you know, Melanie, our uh, office administrator here at the church. Well, Kaysen uh, uh, has been in the hospital since Wednesday uh, with RSV and pneumonia. And um, so, yeah, if you could be praying, they need more prayer and uh, believing for a miracle for that little guy to get out of the hospital and uh, to be able to uh, breathe on his own. And, and so they're watching online and uh, we will pray for them, won't we? Yes. All right. You heard it. And uh, so uh, we will definitely, definitely do that. So, hey, we're glad you're all here today. It was kind of weird not having church last week. We don't cancel very often. Uh, I haven't canceled in. Year, I don't remember the last time we canceled. So, um, but hey, Snowmageddon, what are you going to do, right? That's <laughs> um, what you got to do. It was a blizzard of 2019. So we've been talking uh, the last uh, few weeks uh, about this, this topic of church isn't over. We say something around here whenever service ends. We say, church isn't over when the service ends, right? That you and I, we are to be a light in this dark world. That you and I are to still go forward and to represent Jesus Christ all day, Every day, and not just while we're here, not just while we're in church, but that you and I are actually the church. And uh, this thing that we're sitting in is a building, and right now it's a church building, and it used to be a furniture store. Before that, it was a skating rink, but right now it is a church building. You and I, we are the church. And so church isn't over when the service ends because you and I are the church. We take, we take the love of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And we talked a long time ago, it feels like, uh, that if we spend time with Jesus, you guys remember this, that if we spend time with Jesus and we pray bold prayers, then we do bold things and then miraculous results happen. You guys remember we talked about that? And those miraculous results are people getting healed and people coming to know who Jesus Christ is. And so those people spend time with Jesus and they pray bold prayers and they do bold things. And then what happens? Miraculous things take place and more people get saved. And then all of these people are spending time with you. You guys see where I'm going with this? You remember that? I always get fired up every time I think about it. So we spend time with Jesus. What's the most important thing that we can do? And we say churches and over you and I, we spend time with Jesus. And Pastor Mike talked a few weeks ago about the transformational church. You and I have been transformed. You and I have been transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. And because we've been transformed, because we've been changed then you and I are to be agents of change, that we're to go into the world, amen? As we go into the world, as we're living our lives, as we are working, as we are going to school, as we are at home with our family, that we are still the love of Jesus Christ. We are agents of change because we are transformed and we are a transformational body of people, amen? amen. We are a transformation, transformational body of people. And so today we'll be talking about the gathering church. Now this is a little weird because this I was going to preach this message last week, right? And uh, I was going to preach it last week. And so you guys met in small groups and you probably already pre-studied this material. So you probably already know everything that I'm going to say, but I'll try to surprise you anyway, 
All right? So the gathering church. Let's read in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18 uh, this morning. When Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his followers, who do, you, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they answered, and some say you are John the Baptist, and others say you are Elijah, and still others say you are Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Well, then Jesus asked them, and who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because no person taught you that my Father in heaven showed you who I am. So I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my, everybody say it with me, church, and the power of death will not be able to defeat it. So he said, I am going to build my church. That word, that, that word in the Greek, it's ekklesia. I will build my gathering. I will build an assembly. I will build a congregation. He didn't say, I will build an institution or four walls. He said, I am going to build a gathering, a movement, an assembly of people. I am going to build my church. And I love it. The power of hell. Death cannot overcome it. There is nothing that can overcome the church. The church is the hope of the world because we present the message of Jesus Christ to the world who so desperately needs it. The church is the hope of the world. Without you and me being representation of who Christ is, there would be no hope on this earth. I don't know about you, but I know people who need Jesus. People who are lost in sin and suffering and their lives are a wreck and they need Jesus and they need somebody to be Jesus to them. They need somebody to say, hey, I've been transformed by the love of Jesus Christ and He wants to do the exact same thing for you. The church and the message we bring will remain. It will remain. He said, I will build my church and the power of hell, death cannot overcome it. We mentioned a few weeks ago how how the Holy Spirit came and filled each and every person that was meeting together in the upper room and they were waiting. Jesus had just ascended into heaven and they were waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit and, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and Peter got up. We talked about it, how he, he, he preached a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. Amen. You want to talk about an altar call? Three, like a multitude of people here are saved instantly. And we talked about that, but we didn't talk about really what happened after that. So let's look at what they did. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 47. Peter warned them with many other words. and That's a preacher for you. With many other words. And he begged them, save yourselves from the evil of today's people. And then those people who accepted what Peter said were baptized. About 3,000 people were added to the number of believers that day. And here's what they did. They spent their time learning the apostles' teaching sharing, uh, breaking bread, and praying together. The apostles were doing many miracles and signs, and everyone felt great respect for God. And all the believers were together and shared everything. They would sell their land and the things they owned, and then divide the money and give it to anyone who needed it. The believers met together in the temple every day. They ate together in their homes, happy happy to share their food with joyful hearts. They praised God and were liked by all people. Every day, the Lord added those who were being saved to the group of believers. 
Man, that's what, the, that's what that early church did. 3,000 people got saved, and then what did they do? Well, they learned the apostles' teaching. These 3,000 people, there were 120 people in the upper room, and now all of a sudden, your church, your congregation, your assembly, your gathering grew from 120 to 3,120. Plus women and children. I mean, come on. That is explosive growth. I mean, I've not heard of a church... Uh, in this day and age where they get that explosive of a growth. I mean, that's crazy. Thousands upon thousands of people. So what did they do? They learned the apostles' teaching. I think that's a great idea. They learned the word of God. First and foremost, the truth that we find in the scriptures, that is something that we should devour. The Bible says, hide God's word in your heart so that you will not sin against him. They learned the apostles' teaching. I like this. They shared everything. Sharing is caring. Aww. We learned that in kindergarten, didn't we? We learned that in kindergarten. Somewhere along the lines, we don't feel like sharing anymore. We tell our kids to share, especially if they have like chocolate or something. It's like, you need to share. Amen. That's right. But somewhere along the lines, we forget, oh, we should share everything. Amen. Like what's mine is, is yours and what's yours is ours, right? Like let's share. They broke bread. They ate meals together. That's a good thing. Getting together with some people. We have community groups. We try to get together and have snacks and discussion around the Bible and hang out and get to know some people. But it's okay if you just want to invite someone over for supper sometime. It's okay to eat meals together. The early church did it all the time. Here's this. They prayed together. Well, that's fun. They prayed together. James 5.16 tells us that, that if we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, that we will be healed. That the effective, the prayer, the, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. Message Bible says it's a powerful force to be reckoned with. What? Praying together is a powerful force to be reckoned with? Man, that's good news. Miracles, signs accompanied them. We talked about it. Time with Jesus, bold prayer, bold actions, miraculous results. They daily, daily they worshiped together. They worshiped together. Now, we don't come together every single day, but you know what's cool about community groups? We have a group every single day but Saturday. So as a body, as a gathering of people, we are getting together almost every single day. That's pretty cool. I like that. They gathered in homes. They praised God. And here's the cool thing that I think that we've kind of missed as the church. In general, it says in verse 47, they praised God and they were liked by all the people. I think sometimes the church has got a bad name and is definitely not liked by all people. But the early church, the people saw what this church, what this gathering. So remember, that's what they were. They were meeting in homes. They were meeting in the temple. They were, they were a movement. And they saw this, and they genuinely liked what they saw. And the Lord added those who were being saved to the group of believers. I like that. The Lord added those who were being saved to the group of believers. The church was growing by leaps and bounds. Here's the thing. You cannot have a gathering if you are by yourself. That's true. I, me, myself, and I. It doesn't count. You need more than that. You can't have a gathering. You can't have a, an assembly by yourself. What do you need? You need 
other people. You need one another. When we gather together, this is what I like about that scripture. They praised God and they were liked by all people. Here's the thing. When we gather together, others should want to take part in what we're doing. When we gather together, others should look at us and be like, man, I want to be a part of what they're doing. And you and I as Christians, you and I as the church, we should draw people to us. Why? Because we have Jesus Christ, His Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in us. So you and I should draw people to us. Not push people away. Not tell people how bad they are and how awful they are and how worthless they are, but to draw people to us. We should be a church. Listen, not just draw people to New Covenant. I hope you understand this, but that we draw people to ourselves. You and I, we are the church. We are the church. And we should draw people to us. Not because of us, we're not that great, but because of who's in us. Our lives should draw others to Christ. Our gathering should be something others want to be a part of. Our gathering should be something that others want to be a part of. Why? Because we have what this world needs. They gathered around some people playing some instruments. You see flash mobs. They don't do it much anymore. People would just start dancing and people would gather around. I remember in school, I was just walking through the Phillips Middle School the other day and I had flashbacks. I'm like, you know what? I remember this kid tried to fight me right here in this stairwell. (laughs) I'm not even messing around. I was looking at the new apartments and I was like, I almost got into a fight here. And someone was like, what happened? And I said, well, I refused to fight him. I walked out and another guy came in and knocked the dude out and that was the end of it. But man, there were like 150 kids in that stairwell. I mean, a hundred and some kids. Why? Because everybody's drawn to something that's going on. Where the action is. I want you to know that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. That's where the action is. That's what's going on. That He's redeeming our lives and He's setting us free. We should get together and we should encourage others to be a part of what's going on. Look at Hebrews 10. It says, We must also consider how to encourage each other to show love and to do good things. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to encourage one another. Wait, I thought we were supposed to like yell at people and like ran on Facebook and tell the world how bad it is. No, we're supposed to encourage each other to love and to do good things. We should encourage each other to be kind, to show love, and to gather together. We need one another right now more than ever. We need each other right now more than ever. Now is the time to gather, not drift away. Look at Hebrews 2. It's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so that we don't, everybody say, drift off. If the old message, listen to this, if the old message delivered by the angels was valid and nobody got away with anything, do you think we can risk neglecting this latest message, this magnificent salvation? First of all, it was delivered in person by the Master. 
and then accurately passed on to us by those who heard it from him. All the while, God was validating it with gifts through the Holy Spirit, all sorts of signs and miracles as he saw fit. Listen, do not neglect the message of the magnificent salvation. Do not neglect. The, that's what this says right here. Do you think we can risk neglecting this latest message, this magnificent salvation? I want you to know that our salvation is magnificent. And that we should not neglect it. We should not forget the things that we've heard. We should not drift off. It is very easy in this world. Say amen if you agree with me in a minute. It is very easy in this world to drift off and isolate. But we need one another now more than ever. We are a connected body of people that we are not meant to go through life alone, but we are to be in community with one another. Do not neglect the message of salvation. It was delivered by Jesus Christ Himself. How can we ignore this? How can we ignore that message? Why would you want to ignore the message that Jesus Christ came to save you and me and save the entire world? Why would we want to ignore that? We should not want to ignore that at all. How do we stop this from happening? How do we keep this at our forefront? Well, I'll tell you what we do. We gather together, then we worship the God who's made us. We gather together and we worship the God who has created us. Amen? Amen. There's a story, I don't have time to get into it this morning, in John chapter 4. You can read about it, but Jesus is passing through Samaria and he stops at a well to get a drink of water and he talks to a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. And in the Bible, you don't do that. Men don't stop to talk to women and they don't stop to talk to a Samaritan because Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. So here's Jesus hanging out with a woman who's a Samaritan having this conversation and they start talking about water and Jesus is like, hey, I offer a water that is a living water and if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. And she's like, well, give me some of that. That sounds like next level stuff. I'll take some of that water. Like, I'll never thirst again. He's like, yeah, why don't you, why don't you run off and, and get your husband and, and we'll talk about it. She's like, oh, I don't have a husband. He's like, yeah, I know. You've had five husbands and the person you're living with is not even your husband. And she's like, oh, you must be a prophet. Um, yeah, duh. And uh, so she realizes this and, John, and Jesus says this to her in John chapter 4. He says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter Oh, oh, yeah, I forgot. She had asked him a question about where people should go to worship. Should they worship here? Should we worship in Jerusalem? Or where should we go? It says this. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when He comes, He will explain everything to us. And then he told, he, Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. So here's the thing. There's, there's so many things we can talk about, and I'm going through this super quick. Go home and study John chapter 4 this week for yourself. But there's many things that we could talk about, but I, what I want to focus on is this. It's not important where you gather to worship. It's important who you worship. Amen. Listen, you've got to write that down. 
I don't tell you that too often. I hope you take notes or take a mental note of this. Listen to me, and I believe it, and I mean it. It's not important where you gather to worship. It's important who you worship. Where we gather is not as important as why we gather. Where we gather is not as important as why we gather. I know for sure that there's some people gathering with us in a hospital right now. Where we gather is not as important as why we gather. We fight and, and bicker and, and, and get mad at each other because we used to worship here and now we worship here and, and next week we're going to worship there. Instead, why don't we forget all that and just say, it doesn't matter where you worship as long as you know who you're worshiping. Amen. And we get worked up about the wrong things and then we forget to even worship God the Father. Because we're so mad about something else. And he says, you need to take care of that first before you can come to me anyway. We gather in this building. We gather together in homes. We know this is our spiritual family right here. If you are sitting here, maybe some of you say, this new covenant is my spiritual home. This is my family. I love being here. I want to gather here. The people here, I love them. Maybe you're here for the first time today and you're checking things out. Or maybe you have another body of people that you're like, they're my spiritual family, but I just happen to be here today. That's great. Everyone is welcome. But here's the thing. Everybody belongs here. Because we're all worshiping the same Father. Because we all came to worship God, our Creator. Where we gather is not as important as why we gather. We're in a converted skating rink. Where we gather does not matter. Why we gather is what's important. We gather to worship God in spirit and in truth. We gather to worship Him and draw close to Him. Look at Song of Solomon 2.4. It says, He brought me to the banquet room and His banner over me is love. You know what God covers you in? He covers you in love. You know what His banner over you is? His declaration over you is is that He loves you. He loves you. He doesn't care where you go to worship, but what He cares about is that you worship Him, the one who loved you. We can love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. We gather to worship Him because He delights in us. Look at Psalm 18. The Lord reached down from above and took me and He pulled me from the deep water. He saved me from my powerful enemies. Any of you have any powerful enemies in your past? You got anything that were pulling you? And any addictions, any thoughts, anything like that? Look at He saved me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me because they were too strong for me. They attacked me at my time of trouble, but the Lord supported me. He took me to a safe place because He delights in me. He saved me. We come to worship God, our Father, who has saved us. And that does not make you happy. We gather together to worship God who has saved us. Amen. Who has saved us from our powerful enemies who were too strong for me. He saved me. Your God, your Father, saves, supports, and delights in you. His banner over you is love. You are the church that He came to establish. Listen, according to this verse, according to the verse we read earlier, we also gather to encourage one another to do good things and to love one another. Where we gather is not as important as why 
we gather. Where we gather is not as important as why we gather. And listen, Christian, listen, church. We can love because God has loved us. And He takes all the Old Testament laws, 613 of them, and He wraps them up into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Encourage one another. Gather together. Love one another. Speak life and truth and compassion over one another. Where we gather is not important. Is why we gather. Let's be a church that gathers and draws others into a relationship with Christ. Let's be a gathering that gathers. Let's be a gathering that invites others. Let's be a gathering that is attractive and inviting and open to everyone. No matter the hurt, the habit, the hang-up. No matter what's going on in their life. No matter who they are, what they've done. We love them and accept them for who they are. Don't we say that every single week? doesn't matter who you are or where you've been. We love and accept you just like you are. Why do we say that? Because we mean it. Because we love you. And we want you to feel loved and welcomed and accepted. So you and I as the church, listen. You and I as the church, let's go out. And let's draw people to us because of the love that we have in us. Because of what Jesus Christ has done in us. We can actually draw people to us. We can bring them here and they can know who Christ is. Man, you don't even have to bring them to church. You can just talk with them and love them. And you know this stuff. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, you know these things. You know that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Why? Because you were one. And He saved you, so He'll save them too. Bring them to church, we'll offer them, an, we'll offer them salvation, but you can talk to them right where you are, wherever that is. You are church. Church isn't over when the service ends. Church is not over when the service ends. It doesn't matter where we gather, it's important that we gather. Maybe it's at home and you invite your neighbors and you have a meal together and you say, hey, can I pray over this meal? And you get to pray over a meal and offer that, and your neighbors are like, wow, this person prays. I wonder what else they do. <laughs> but they're not weird. I kind of like them, so it, it, I'll stick around and see what they have to say. Maybe they're okay. You see how that works? Uh-huh. It's inviting. It's welcoming. Let's be that church. Amen? Amen? For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515 955 6222.